It's often been said the light shines most brightly in the dark. And there is no doubt that sexual sin and betrayal brings men and women into long seasons of horrible darkness. He went chronologically through our whole marriage and told me what was occurring while I had I had no idea. So after that occurred, my initial reaction, I think I walked out of the room and I just fell to the ground, just sobbing and confused. I was seeing before my eyes the utter devastation that it caused as I was seeing Kelly, as I was seeing my kids so destroyed. In today's episode, Stephen and Kelly Hauk talk about how Jesus found them in their darkest hour and brought them the power of his marvelous light. There's there's nothing that I can understand intellectually that I could be loved like that. But that is the reality of who Christ is and always has been. And I just praise him that I now see him for who he is. That's what's coming up on Purity for Life. Here we go. In this episode, I'm going to be talking with Stephen and Kelly Hauk, who are both graduates of counseling programs here at Pure Life Ministries. But before they share their testimony, I want to say something about this particular story. Honestly, I found it a little bit difficult to want to dig too deeply into some of the details of their story because you'll find out a lot of it is just, it's hard to hear. Now, both of them were really honest about their lives, and I appreciated that because I think that some people who are listening to this are in the same place that Stephen was in or that Kelly was in, and so an honest picture of their lives could be very helpful. But what I do not want is for sin and suffering to overshadow the wonderful work that Jesus has done in both of their lives— And so, as we look at their lives in the past, and as we see the reality of the sin and the pain that was so prevalent, please understand, we're not sharing these things to be sensational or dramatic, but because their lives prove that the light of Christ shines with incredible brightness in periods of greatest darkness. Okay, Stephen and Kelly. Thank you so much for being willing to come on Purity for Life and just talk about what the Lord has done for you. It's definitely a really great honor to have you on our show. I would like to start off this way, and I'd like for both of you to talk briefly about your growing up years, um, some of what your home atmospheres were like, and, and maybe the effect that some of that had on you both as young children. I grew up in a home that we we were taught to love the Lord, and my parents uh, lived their life in a way that uh, really did reflect Scripture and how you live your life to please and glorify the Lord. So I was brought up uh, with a loving atmosphere that really taught in our home. It was taught that there was no mistake that was too big. There's not a mess that we could get into that was too deep for the Lord. There was discipline in the home and that there were consequences if you veered from that, but it was done in a very loving way so that I never, ever questioned, do my parents love me? Will they forgive me? There were times where I, of course, felt guilt from things I had done, but the consequences that were put in place, uh, they pointed me back. Back to the Lord, I had an older brother and a younger sister, and I really did feel uh, in that family environment that I had a support system that both uh, wanted to support me as I walked in life and that it was always trying to point point me to the Lord. My upbringing was challenging, very unstable, explosive. There was abuse verbally, emotionally, physically, chaotic. As an example, by the time I was 14, I had lived in motels for more than two years of my life. Lots of pain, 
and anxiety, just not knowing what would happen the next moment. That, that's um, that probably be the best way to, to wrap up or to sum up just what that life was like, which I look back on now and just, just what the Lord's revealed and shown and just seeing that certainly was an avenue that the enemy loved to confuse me, to give me a view of God that was not accurate. But I want to make it very clear that even though I did have a very challenging upbringing, none of that is is justification or excuse in any way for my sinful choices. Yeah, Stephen, I'm just thinking about the impact that things like that would have on a on a young child, um, young children, just for the fact that they don't have the life experience or the ability to comprehend a lot of those things. And one of the things that would have made that even more confusing, I would think, was the fact that your family regularly went to church. Um, you mentioned that on the pre-interview questionnaire that you filled out, that your family was very, very regularly in church. So you've got this home atmosphere of chaos, fear, and turmoil, and then going to church on a regular basis. What impression did that have on you? Yeah, it's interesting because I probably didn't fully understand what I see now. Like, in other words, as a child, I wasn't seeing what was happening. But I do look back, and and I think a great way to describe it would be confusion. I did not see God rightly. I knew intellectually so much of Scripture. I knew the answers. I could make a 100 on the test in Sunday school, to use that example. I, I knew how I could guide others if they were having struggles. Oh, well, this part of Scripture addresses that. This Every topic you would learn in church, I learned. But the unbelievable deceptive path of the enemy is that we can convince ourselves that we see God and know God because we have an intellectual knowledge of Scripture, of even truth and promises. And that is what the Lord, like (laughs) Billboard clearly showed me, is that I could have answered every question. I could have presented a position of knowing the answer to any common struggle in life through scripture. But inwardly, he, the Lord, was not real to me. My life proved that by the fact that I was living in hidden sin, but I didn't realize that because I knew so much intellectually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can very much relate with that. Not necessarily when I was young, but um, as I grew older, I can. That really resonates with me, um, Kelly. Your home environment was very different, and um, you seem to have a real desire for the Lord even in your younger years and your teenage years. What was your relationship like with the Lord? I do believe at a, a young age, I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that Jesus was the only Savior and that I wanted to be cleansed by him and wanted to live for him. However, I think at that young age, I had no idea how hard the enemy would fight for me, uh, the schemes that he had against me. And I think because of that, I, I didn't understand what it meant to truly repent. But he's just so patient and full of grace and mercy that he walked me through me, my eyes being open to the world and the temptations of the world and wanting to please the humanity around me and wanting to um, torn between wanting the things that the world offered and wanting to live for the Lord and at times being overcome with wanting what other people around me, what they had. And um, that did lead to uh, really wanting to please peers as is as normal for lots of people, but really having a desire to have a boyfriend. And I, I thought, well, that's not a bad thing. That's just part of being a young woman growing up and 
looking at the fairy tale of wanting my Cinderella story someday and that just being confused with looking around and thinking, well, what's wrong with me, Lord? And that did did lead to the enemy definitely having a pathway to veer me from the Lord. There was a lot of time where even at church, where I was at church and I was wanting to learn about the word and I was excited about it, but I was looking around at what you guys are here and thinking I need to have this. That's not a bad thing. And that opened the door for the enemy to lead me into a situation and a relationship with an older young man. And it exposed me to things that um, I, I didn't know were out there. And I knew the Lord, but yet um, I was pulled. I was pulled toward that relationship that introduced me to a lot of things that affected the rest of my life. When I look back and, and just kind of play back my life chronologically, I would say that the enemy probably had his first hook into me in regards to sexual lust, um, probably as early as four years old. And I say that in describing when I would see soap operas on TV that were on in my home, and I would see people kissing, making out, whatever, and I was just entranced. I, I, I just wanted to watch it, and it made me feel a way that other things didn't. A huge progression happened when I was about seven years old at a neighbor, a friend's house who showed me his father's Playboy magazines. And so that was the first time that I was exposed to a naked woman, a picture of a naked woman. And similarly, I would describe it as being completely entranced by it, just staring and looking and and not knowing a lot and understanding at that age of things, but just what I saw, me wanting it, and just what the images did to me. So those visions were there of what I saw in my friend's father's Playboy magazines. But then as I grew up, you know, preteen, teen, while I was living squeaky clean church boy, like I was, you know, the facade, the outward, um, in the youth group, all of this was just, I was the good Christian kid when inside I was obsessed with what glimpses I could get of music videos, uh, movies, TV shows. I just found myself wanting that so bad. At 17, I gave over to self-gratification for the first time in my life and continued through things I saw or fantasy completely secretly. So when I started at 17 with self-gratification, um, I continued for 28 years till I was 45. My parents being the people that they, they are and seeking the Lord and praying over their children, my parents trying to put guidelines around that I didn't need to be with people that wouldn't be good for me. And had I obeyed as I should have, and as I knew I should have, it would have protected me from so much because I was so naive. And walking outside of those guidelines they had given me, I'm so thankful that I did have what I would call as a baby relationship with the Lord, where he continued to convict me and convict me and in time, seeing my parents break over, why is our little girl who's trying to please the Lord, why is she sneaking out at night? Why is she going places when she told us she'd be somewhere else? As I broke for my parents, that gave me a vision of how the Lord broke over my heart, my heart fearing from Him who I committed myself to. I tried multiple times over a few years to pull myself out of that relationship. And in my own strength, it was impossible. But the Lord taught me repentance through that. He gave me the gift of repentance and taught me what it looks like to completely turn your way, 
your whole life away from something in his power and his strength and not of my own. And it would take really through the rest of high school well into college and probably even to my very young married years uh, for me to truly understand uh, how the Holy Spirit was my power, the Holy Spirit was my strength. I would just say my relationship with the Lord that started young just grew more and more in a understanding of my filthiness and understanding the holiness of the Lord from a very baby understanding to just more and more of who he was. But it was just a, a more and more of seeing how faithful he was. Yeah, so Stephen and Kelly, I think that that what you guys um, shared so far probably gives people a pretty good understanding of the reality of your lives growing up. Stephen, you talked about a home life that was very chaotic and full of turmoil and your heart inside you're full of lust, pursuing sexual pleasure even while maintaining this outward facade of being a good church kid. And Kelly, um, your home life was definitely a lot more stable and conducive to spiritual things, but you had, you know, this this very real and very powerful struggle that was going on inside of you. You know, this desire to know the Lord, but also this powerful pull of your flesh toward other things. I, I want to shift a little bit and just talk about when you guys met each other. Um, Kelly, what was it What was it about Stephen that really attracted you to him and, and gave you the, the feeling that this is the guy that I should marry? Yeah, uh, as as we already talked about some, I, I definitely w- was on the look for a husband from way too young of an age. <laughs> right. But I, I was, by this point, um, I'd made enough mistakes that I was, uh, I'll say, I was trying to look for the man that the Lord would, would want me to have. So uh, when I met Stephen early in our very first conversation, he was telling me about uh, his relationship with the Lord and what his life looked like. And I was just, wow, is this really real? Like, is this guy for real? And um, that was the first thing that drew me to him. And um, I thought this is a relationship that's that's actually worth pursuing. We began um, going to church there on the college campus together. And um, we dated for almost four years before we were married. So I felt like I knew him pretty well uh, by the time we got married. And I do believe still to this day that he is the man uh, that God wanted me to marry. Mm. Stephen, what was it about Kelly that made you decide um, to want to marry her? I was super excited that I had found someone who was clearly someone who pursued the Lord, loved the Lord, um, that, that Jesus was a priority in Kelly's life. I mean, it was evident from our first conversation. I got to hear her share, and uh, there were two things, that she was genuinely pursuing the Lord, and I found her very physically attractive. And to me, I thought, my goodness, this is who the Lord it was put in my life like this could be the one for me. Um, and I spoke to her and there was a specific weekend that we talked and we met. And I look back on this, especially from this perspective, and it's weird, but like I, I told my mom I met the person I'm going to marry. And I'd never, ever uttered anything to my mom about any person I'd ever dated, anything to do with that. Like it was not like I had had a regular habit of saying, well, I think this is the one I'd never even I had never even had a conversation with my mom or dad about any girl I was with, like as far as dating, it just, that was just, I would a few months dating a girl moving on. It just didn't. But then I knew something was different with Kelly. Hmm. Um, man, I hate to do this. We're going to have to jump really far ahead because we just unfortunately don't have the time to cover everything. Um, Steven, you know, when you think about your lives during the 20 years between getting married and coming to Pure Life, 
if someone had been looking at your lives from the outside, what kind of impression do you think they would have gotten? I'll tell you what I think they would have thought because I literally heard people tell me and it's what I live for. And what I live for was um, making people think positively. I had the presentation of, of perfection. Like you also had the advent of social media that came around at that time. So when I was on social media, it was a constant production of our life being the most perfect situation possible. Like literally I have the wife, two kids and a picket fence and a dog. Like literally that's what we had. And, and I wanted people to know, and I was in a profession that people thought was cool and maybe envied or whatever. So I would let people know all the cool, neat things I was doing in my profession. And certainly I let people know all the involvements I had in church or I'm on another mission trip or um, spending time with the young adult group or whatever. It's just this place that you, that the enemy, I just, I just now picture the enemy so pleased that he had me so convinced of who I thought I was when it wasn't real because the enemy could just rest and sit back and knowing that I thought that I was so perfect before the Lord, so secure in church, involved, had the perception up and the enemy and the Lord both knew the truth. I I didn't see reality, um, but certainly I don't think it's a stretch to say that I certainly portrayed that we had a perfect existence and a lot of people, um, I would say the vast majority, would have looked at our lives and thought, man, they have got it together. What, what a blessed, perfect life um, that this family has everything people could want. And the reality was there, that just was so far from the truth. And as I, I guess and I hope Kelly can share, just the reality of the home life that I wasn't even seeing out of my pride, the blindness to how I was treating my wife and kids just proves not even the fact of what I was hiding in the in my sin life of my sexual sin that that in itself is enough to show that I was in delusion of my spiritual condition but just how I am now aware of who I was in regards to treating Kelly and treating my children and how I gosh I hate to use the word but how I ruled this household just shows that the perfection and the presentation I put off was completely false yeah, um, you know, I mentioned at the at the beginning of this interview that there's hard things to talk about in this interview. You guys are talking about some hard things, and um, it's definitely up to you how much of the reality behind closed doors you want to share, Kelly. But I would like you to maybe just talk about what was really happening behind that perfect facade. Yeah, I um, would go off of something he said uh, and describe it best as we we were pawns in the Stephen Hawk show. Social media was a argument uh, amongst the two of us because uh, everything, like he said, was a presentation to make sure that everyone thought we were the best. No one was good as our children, as smart as our children, as wonderful as our children. And we were the happiest couple that ever existed and that um, we were doing the most for the Lord. And I knew that not to be the case because uh, within the home, uh, very early in marriage, um, I learned basically that no matter what I had been taught up to that point, I pretty much could not do a single thing right. I couldn't cook. Whatever I wore was not right. I couldn't clean correctly because there was a right way and there was a wrong way to do everything. The first year of marriage, I was just overwhelmed with, wow, how how am I so a loser at everything? And so I sought the Lord to help me initially to be better, to be a better wife, to be a better cook, to be able to clean and somewhere in those first few years, uh, the Lord taught me, um, you can't do that. (laughs) No one can live up to a standard. And if I thought being a terrible wife was hard, 
when I became a mother and I couldn't, um, even though I was a pediatric nurse, I apparently had no idea how to take care of my children because there was a right way and a wrong way to feed them, to discipline them, to raise them up to be these superhumans that we were raising them to be. I quickly learned um, to do certain things a certain way. And uh, I, I learned that if I didn't teach my kids to do things in that certain way, that we were all going to face the wrath of the rule upon us. Um, so if anyone spilled anything or had anything out of place, that we all went into a state of panic with who was going to help each other the fastest to be able to get everything how daddy would want it so that nobody got in trouble. And um, the crazy thing is that Stephen could rip you apart with his tongue really easily, but he also could switch in moments and flatter you so much that you were so confused as to did he just tell me I did all that wrong or did he just tell me that I'm the best thing in the world because I can't tell because I'm just spinning in a circle and I need all this merry-go-round so that that's just a picture of um what it looks like uh in our house versus what the outside saw as uh perfection and uh, people that were really pursuing the Lord, how um, everyone should be pursuing the Lord. But yet on the inside, we were broken and struggling all in different ways. I, I already knew that I wasn't enough for Stephen. I had known that long since early in our marriage. Uh, but I, I truly believed that he loved the Lord and was faithful to the Lord. Uh, I think the Lord was very gracious in the fact that I didn't learn it all at one time. I did learn it all over the course of a few days, which was quite an explosion. But uh, the first uh, revealing was that he had had inappropriate sexual communication with co-workers. So just at this discovery, I was like, wow, this is not the man I knew. I don't know him at all. So I felt very um, just blindsided with, with shock. But at that point, I was okay. Uh, we all we all made mistakes. and. I'm very surprised and I feel like I don't know you, but uh, the Lord would get us through this. And um, he told, well, I think I actually asked, I said, at this point, I don't know you. So why don't we just start with the year we got married? And he went chronologically through our whole marriage and told me what was occurring while I had, I had no idea. So. After that occurred, my initial reaction, I think I walked out of the room and I just fell to the ground, just sobbing and confused and uh, not knowing what's real and what's not. But I do remember in that shock and grief and feeling like a death of the life as I knew it, I definitely heard the Lord say, I've got you, I've got you. So I was able, only by God, to actually say out of my mouth, the Lord has us and the Lord will take care of us. I visualize, I, I did then and I still do to this day, that I was standing on top of this massive physical structure I was on top, looking down at this structure that I had built on myself. I had established the Stephen Hout Kingdom and got to a place where the Lord said enough and he crushed it, annihilated it to the point that it was disintegrated and I was on the ground in the rubble 
And I was seeing before my eyes the utter devastation that it caused as I was seeing Kelly, as I was seeing my kids so destroyed. And so once we heard about Pure Life, neither of us had ever heard of of Pure Life, and our pastor had heard from someone else about it. And we um, looked up Pure Life online and they certainly, they being my wife and kids, certainly knew that I needed to go there. And I knew I needed help. And through conversation, it was decided that I would go to the nine month residential program and take this seriously. And I then left our house and I stayed with my mom for a couple of weeks. It was actually pretty quick until I could enter Pure Life Ministries in Kentucky. But I knew I needed help. At this point in what the Lord had shown me, I knew I needed help because I had come to the point that, okay, all of my choices and my lusts, my, like, why I would just ask, why did I, I want so badly to sexually communicate with other women? Why did I pursue anything sexual outside of my marriage and the gift of my wife? But why? Like, so I, I saw that I had a problem. Um, at that point, in those early stages, I didn't quite realize the bigger picture of just who I was in general as a husband, as a father, like who I was, like just, I didn't see that. I saw that I had an issue relative to my sexual lust and my sexual sin. And what I came to learn is that was just a symptom of my situation before the Lord. I did not know the Lord like I thought I did. Stephen, I just appreciated so much your candor in all of this and also um, the picture that you gave of you standing at the pinnacle of, of your kingdom and then watching this whole thing collapse into a heap of rubble and just being buried by the devastation of of your own sinful choices and you know, so you come to Pure Life Ministries, your marriage is in shambles, your career is gone, you need real help, and you started seeking God like you were being taught to. Um, what did God begin to reveal to you? In my first two or three months at Pure Life, um, again, being removed out of my world and going there and in time with counseling in the Word in chapel, through worship, and the Lord revealing himself to me, it was becoming very clear that I was an utter delusion of my spiritual condition before the Lord. And so the Lord, as he was revealing himself and scripture coming to life to me, and the truths of scripture penetrating my heart and me starting to see it from this brand new level, I was just made aware, like in a very clear way, that what I had thought, where I stood, my spiritual condition was completely wrong. I was seeing it wrong. And so I had to come to that place before the Lord could take me to the next level of of healing and transformation and me growing past that and living victorious is I had to see (laughs) I needed him really, really, really badly. And I never really, really recognized that because of the fact that I lived my life secure in when I was seven years old, I prayed to receive Christ and I could have quoted to you the plan of salvation. And I live up until 45 years old, going back to that point. Yet my life proved that regardless of what I said when I was seven was not true. Like living in darkness was the reality of my life. I didn't see it as such until the Lord started exposing that to me when I was at Pure Life. And when the Lord started revealing to me that I was not who I thought I was and my position before him was not what I thought, he absolutely showed my hypocrisy. And I saw for the first time that I was not the one I thought I was. And I was living a life that could not have as 1 John 3, 6 says, 
have seen him and known him. And the thought of what I had done and the life I had lived crushed me. But in that place is where he said, but I've known this the whole time. That, that's who you are. And I want to forgive you. You just needed to come the reality of who you were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this stuff is amazing. I've, I've heard so many testimonies over my almost 15 years of being here at Pure Life Ministries. And I've said it before, it's almost like they're all the same, and yet every single one is so precious and so unique. Uh, it's just amazing to me how personal the Lord is and how intimate he is with us, working with us and giving us exactly, exactly what we need. Um, Kelly, I'd like to talk a little bit about what it was like for you as you went through the Wives program. Um, Stephen was experiencing this terrible breaking and devastation of his own life through his sinful choices. You were much more, I would say, totally shattered on the inside because of what had just transpired. And so you come into the Wives program and the Lord begins to minister to you as well, very personally. What was he speaking to your heart through the counseling? Yeah, so um, I I pretty quickly after he left uh, started the registration and everything to get into the wife's program. I knew that the Lord was going to take care of me and the kids and put this back together, but I, I definitely was living out of a completely shattered heart and my brain was messed up too because everything that I thought I knew was just turned upside down. So when I first spoke with Carol, my counselor, I made it clear from the beginning, I said, I trust no human. I said, the person that I trusted the most was deceiving me for not just a little while, but for a lifetime. So I, I, I know I trust the Lord, and I know that I, I can trust His Word, but I, I'm not sure I can even trust you. So whatever you tell me, I, I just feel like it's going to shoot right past me. But I said, but if you can share the Word of God with me, I promise you I'll, I'll get with God after we're done, and I'll, I'll just I'll seek Him. And um, I was able to... Uh, cling to the word of God through my shattered heart. And I didn't really realize it at the time, but uh, I I saw on the emails going back and forth between me and Carol that across the bottom of her email was the scripture that said he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And I read that and it was the Lord just affirming to me, this is where you need to be. This is where I'm going to feed you with more of my word and truth. And the Holy Spirit is really going to work during this time in the wife's program. And this word from God that she didn't even give to me, but just was her signature on her email. Just It became so real to me that through his word, you can heal anything. Anyone who comes and lays ourselves before him. There's nothing too broken for him to heal. And it was um, pretty early on that uh, Carol could just see just how shattered I was and destroyed. But yet I was saying it out of my mouth, but, but I trust the Lord and I know the Lord can do anything, but it's just so hard to see through all this pain and betrayal and grief and everything so broken. And she she said to me, Kelly, Kelly, stop looking at all the sin and look at Jesus. And that seems so simple, but it's exactly what I needed to hear and exactly what the Lord needed to show me that as long as I kept looking at the sin that had been done to me, that had been in our home for all this time. It, as long as I kept trying to look over and see what had I done wrong, how could I have done something different, and just being consumed by the sin and the darkness, I was going to stay in that pit. But if I looked at Jesus and focused on him and on his word and on his truth 
and I saw what had occurred in my life and what was happening every day, even at that point in my life, through the eyes of who Jesus was and what he had done and what he had saved me personally from. And if I clung to his promises, then I would see life and I would see that he has good for me mm. instead of being stuck in the darkness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is so true. Stephen, um, I want to talk about how you saw the Lord really save you from yourself, and in particular, saving you from being a deceiver. Because I, you know, honestly, when I read the answers to the questionnaire that you sent me, I just thought to myself, man, this guy used to be a master deceiver. And I'm not saying that to shame you or to refocus on the sin, but um, when the Lord saves us, he has to save us from ourselves, you know, not just from certain behaviors. If the Lord was really going to be your savior, he had to save you from this, from being a deceiver. So I want to talk, like, how did you see him doing that? How did you see him saving you from being a deceiver? Yeah, it was very important that I first saw the reality of that and then was able to repent of that, the fact that I lived in such intentional deception. I I, I had to see myself as a deceiver, first and foremost. And like with so many other things that the Lord was showing me were the reality of my life, just recognizing that not only was I living in deception but that the outflow of that was that I lived to deceive others because I had such a need, a need of my own flesh for others to think something of me, but in that also deceiving so that my sin would be kept a secret. And there have been things, many things in my life started at PLM where I was made so aware that I constantly lived in in flattery of others saying things to make them feel good or a partial lie, or I wanted a story to sound better. So let me add this piece of it or leave a part out. And those types of things I never thought of at all. Like it was just, that's not a big deal. And what I'm so grateful for is the Lord convicting me of what I would have formerly perceived as insignificant little things that are just one millimeter off truth. But yeah, I, to, to call me a master deceiver um, is a nauseating but real title. And as my wife sits next to me and hears me say that with a little smirk on her face, she, that's who I was. It's who I was. And I had to come to the reality that I lived a life of deception. And then as the Lord is transforming me, being so turned off by that and being so convicted and so bothered that I will even come out with something that is so quote unquote insignificant because I know, no, that's not full truth. That's not pleasing to the Lord. And all I can say in that is that's the Lord. That's not Stephen Howe because my flesh is not one of truth. My flesh is one of deception. And I, and I have to recognize that. But the Lord gives me himself to be convicted and to admit um, that I will deceive outside of him and his power in my life. Hmm. Kelly, um, I know you can relate to this. There's, I've heard a lot of wives who have gone through our wives program say that, man, I'm so grateful for what the Lord did in my husband, but he also did a powerful work in my life as well, you know, and he, he shows some deep things to the wives in, in the wives program as well. How did he, how did he do that in you? So, um, I would definitely say there, there are many ways that he worked in my heart and I guess I can I can start with, I, I thought through my life and marriage uh, with Stephen that I had already gone through prior to the exposure of sexual sin had really just given me more of a dependence on the Lord. And it became evident when I was falling apart, when my marriage was falling apart that I was still holding on to other things besides the Lord. And that becomes evident only through 
being in his word and abiding in him or asking him to teach you how to remain abiding when you're in that painful, dark place of being betrayed, but also being deceived and also having to have conversations with the Lord about, but God, I thought this is what was happening, but really this was happening and I was seeking you and I was trusting you, but this didn't look exactly how I thought it was going to look. And the word, the truth showed me over and over again that he is truth and he is good. And if I'm falling apart because anything is falling away and I know that you are here with me, Lord, then I'm holding on to something else besides you. I thought I was depending on the Lord fully, but when my world crashed, I fell into this pit. And so the Lord showed me as I began to live out the truth that Carol had told me to focus on Christ, it became so clear that if the enemy can get my eyes off of Jesus or have me even hold on just a little bit to something else and let go of him in any way, then the enemy is, he can hold me captive. I'm still still walking this out, and I, I will be until I'm with him in his presence in heaven, I believe, walking this, uh, this out of making sure, not in my own strength, but begging the Holy Spirit daily to keep my eyes focused on my Savior and to ask him to keep showing me anything in me that is not of him. My relationship with him and clinging fully onto him was so much more important than my marriage, so much more important than my children, but yet clinging onto him and letting him work in our hearts and our lives has, has brought such healing yeah. to our marriage, such healing to my children and mm. such healing that I never thought possible in our family. Yeah. It, and this is great because, you know, now we can start talking even a little more about the light. It's like the light was dawning in your lives and now it's beginning to shine more and more brightly. You know, I remember in my own program what it was like when I first got a glimpse of real hope. You know, when I was coming out of sin, it was just it was like I'm buried in this darkness and this sin and deception and hypocrisy. And God had to deal with me very severely because of that. But then hope, when hope came and I realized, wow, everything can be different moving forward. It was just, it was just such a blessing. I, maybe both of you can just talk about what that was like um, in your own lives during this time. I had a specific revelation on hope <laughs> when I was in the program. Pastor Ed spoke at the beginning of a service and and talked on hope. And he, he read a passage that Paul was like starting off one of his letters and he describes, you know, in, in Jesus Christ, our hope. And what the Lord showed me is my hope was never in Jesus. And I know that because when all of this happened, when the Lord started revealing and, the, and our worlds exploded, for the first time in my life, I had genuine thoughts of suicide. The Lord protected me from that. And a handful of months later, I was at PLM and there was a discussion on hope. And the Lord just connected those two things right there. And he showed me that the reason I got to that place is that I had not placed my hope in him. When that became real to my heart, that I have him here and for eternity, and that he is enough, I had a hope that was unlike anything I'd ever thought hope was because I finally was starting to have hope in Christ. And I could get to a point and this is another process at PLM that the Lord brought me through is I get to a point before him, before him, like honest before him, that Lord, if I lose everything, 
would Jesus be enough? Would I be content in him? And when I started to see that I could answer that, yes, because he had shown me how good he was and what he offers and that I have genuine hope in him, it, it changed everything. To some degree, I, I had hope in the beginning, but not like I, I explained earlier, not hope in that our marriage would be put back together, not hope in that our family would ever be put back together again, just hope in that the Lord would do something. Uh, but as the Lord kept working, he had a plan that was good and it was beautiful, which was hard to wrap my mind around at first, but that it, it I could trust it to be good and beautiful and better in so many ways than it had been previously. And I will say, I think some of the hope that happened at the beginning, at the same time, I was grieving and feeling so betrayed. I also felt this big weight come off of me from, I think you kind of alluded to this earlier, but I definitely called it Stephen's reign of fear. And I felt in the moment that God released everything that as I broke and as I grieved, the Lord said to me, you will never live under that reign of fear again. You stayed because you were seeking me and being obedient to me, but it's done. The time is over. This wasn't just he was polishing up Stephen so Stephen could continue to be the man that he was. He was showing me the truth in that it was done. It was over and it was the old and he had created a new creation but not just in Stephen, but in our family, in that these things that we had hidden in the way we felt pushed down and controlled and manipulated, that all of it was done being hidden and that there was hope and that he was going to free, free the captives in this situation, free us to be able to pursue him and his will for our life and to be part of just being able to spend time in his presence in a deeper way. Anytime you walk through something with the Lord that he carries you through, there's just this deeper bond and deeper intimacy. And as he began to show me more and more and more of the truth of that, there was more hope put into what at times felt like an overwhelmingly hopeless situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before we go any farther, I just want to say thank you again, um, Kelly, for being willing to talk so openly about a lot of this stuff and in some measure having to relive some of this for the sake of those who are listening. And I, I know that one of your greatest desires is just to glorify the Lord and that other people would be would be helped by what you've gone through. And so I just really appreciate uh, what you're doing here today. Okay, so, you know, the Lord has, at this point, he's done lots of heart surgery on you, Stephen. He's done some of that as well for you, Kelly, and and definitely just rebuilding you from the place of devastation. And so now, Stephen, you're headed home after the residential program, and I'd like for you both to talk about some of the challenges that you faced during, I don't know, the first six to eight months of, of you being home, mainly just to encourage somebody who might be in the early months of really turning their lives around and trying to live for the Lord. Yes. Uh, um, it's one thing to... Um see the hope of what the Lord is doing when someone is in the safe walls of pure life. And it's a very uh, different to have them come back into the real world. And um, I definitely had a lot of fear. I, I had to give it over to the Lord with you kept him safe in these walls away from all these things that 
the enemy pulled him to. And now he's back here. Is this really real? And oh, sure, it was real when he had all of that around him in pure life. But now he's in the real world. And those things are not, he's not within what I would call just the safe haven of pure life. So that, that was something I had to give over to the Lord. But the Lord helped a lot in that before Stephen came home, I know he was guided by his leadership there at Pure Life, but he brought me into a really walking through and setting up uh, guidelines and boundaries and what we would do, not just to keep him safe from things uh, that were temptations for him, but also to make me feel more secure. So as far as what we felt our home would look like and be like and what would be here, the kids and I had already turned off the TV while he was gone and just left it off. But um, we wanted our home to be a safe haven. It helped in knowing that he was willing to do whatever it took to put up boundaries and guidelines that the Lord put into place place on his heart, but also anything that would help me to build trust in him, because obviously trust had just been demolished. Yeah, I would say that um, the boundaries have been so important. And the boundary list that Kelly referenced, we both prayed about. Um, before I'd even left PLM, I had I had written it out and um, asked her if there was anything that she wanted to add, you know, if she agreed with what I had felt the Lord show me. And so just making that a reality when I came home was just trusting the Lord in his wisdom, really. And that's the best way I look at it. So just this going around or doing whatever and just this freedom of wherever I go, I, I don't. And I'm okay with that. And many people would think, gosh, what a sheltered top of life in this world. And I would have been that person saying, what's wrong with that guy? Like he can't even, his wife doesn't trust him. You know what? It's okay. I've never felt so at peace. So um, just the Lord's presence in my life when I am intentional and using his wisdom to avoid things, uh, where I go is known by my wife. If it's anything outside of going to and from my job, um, she's aware and it's almost never by myself. I'll have my son with me or someone else. And if it is that rare time, I let her know we pray. If she's somewhere else, I'll text her. Baby, I'm heading, to, you know, going to have to pick us up from this place, whatever, whatever. And just to pray over it. Lord, would you just protect? I know I need the Lord's protection. I, I'm at that place. I admit it. I, I know that I cannot just say, oh, I've got it. No, I, I can't. It, it's recognizing my weakness, but strength in him. So like, Lord, I'm about to go to some place outside of my normal going to work or, or doing this. So making Kelly aware and we can pray over it for protection. And in my minimal outside the house stuff, work, going to Home Depot with my son to get something or with my wife if she's with me or whatever, getting gas. Uh, I come home to my sanctuary and, and I am I'm protected. The Lord protects me here. It is a place of rest and peace. And um, it is the, what the Lord's guided us to do. And I don't regret it for a millisecond. Yeah. Yeah. You can definitely tell in your voice that this is not bondage. This is freedom for you. And I, yeah, it's just wonderful to hear you talk that way. Um, yeah. So you've already talked a little bit about some of the things that were really helpful for you in the first uh, six to eight months or so of Stephen being home, some of the boundaries that you had in your lives. What would you say are some other mainstays for you, both in this new life, you know, because that's really what it is. It's it's a brand new life and the battles aren't over. We're in a war with our own flesh and the devil and the world. And um, there are thing more things to be experienced with Jesus. And I'm sure that there are things that have been absolutely foundational and key for you as you continue on in this journey. Um, what are some of those things? I would say for me, the Lord has made it beyond abundantly clear, like let me just, how much I need him. 
the reality is I didn't live a life in realization of how much I needed him. You, you cannot live a life pleasing to the Lord, what he desires, what he deserves outside of a recognition of need of him to give you that ability, to give you the power, the strength, the patience, the fill in the blank to do it. And so for the Lord to show me how much I am in need of him has changed everything because I cannot imagine going a day without starting my day in the absolute recognition of how utterly desperate I am for him. And so my time with the Lord every day of my life is not to check it off. It is not to say that I have. I I want my time alone with the Lord that if no one knew that it didn't matter because I was with him and he could, he could speak to me and he could communicate to me and he could convict and he can guide. And he showed me so many things then and still does in my time with him. And it's not anything to do with others knowing. And that just knowing that it's just me and him and me coming to him literally in a life of every day, surrendering that day to him and letting him know that my heart's posture is recognition of need that I will not live this day, Lord, pleasing to you. I will fail. I will follow the path of my flesh without you. Would you give me yourself today? Not what I prayed yesterday for yesterday and not for tomorrow. But Lord, right now, the daily recognition of need has been a mainstay, to use that term, in my life. And why I know that the Lord has been able to heal and to reconcile and to give rebirth the way he has is because he has kept me in that place of recognizing how much I need him every single day. A few, um, a few things I can think of are um, praying together. I mean, it's, it's most important to be praying individually and um, us each making sure that we're, putting priority on our time with the Lord daily, starting the day with the Lord in in prayer and seeking him and his word. But uh, I do believe that us uh, praying together uh, before we're going to go somewhere out into the world, but also praying together over whatever I'm facing in a day and against whatever the enemy might have against me to bring me back to places that the enemy knows uh, are struggles for me or um, vice versa, me um, in our time together praying over what I know Stephen's going to be facing, what uh, just being open with each other about uh, what we the prayer requests that we have with the struggles are in our life and being vulnerable with that, which him being vulnerable has built trust in me because he never let anyone see anything that was weak in him. So as he shares with me, honestly, things that are weaknesses with him that I can be praying for and that we can pray for together has built trust in me to see that, uh, this is real to him. He has really been changed and that he really is willing to expose his weaknesses, trusting that the Lord is carrying him. Jesus uh, is the faithful one, the merciful one, the one full of grace, steadfast, unending love. He is so holy, so sacrificial, so willing to leave his place on high to wash the feet of those he came to save. So beautiful, so beyond my comprehension so knows the depth of my filth and my sin and yet took my broken 
dark, dead heart and brought it to life. He is life. And apart from him, stuff. The fact that when I do and have done such horrible things, offensive things to him, spit in his face, chose other sources of pleasure, that his response to me is mercy, is, is I can't wrap my mind around it. Um, there is a line in a contemporary Christian song that says, I have no context for that kind of love. And that's just the best way I can describe it. I, there's, there's nothing that I can understand intellectually that I could be loved like that. But that is the reality of who Christ is and always has been. And I just praise him that I now see him for who he is. Just his mercy, his compassion, his long-suffering nature towards me, who chose things other than him for satisfaction for so long. Yet, he patiently waited for me to see him and to come to him. And in that, in that moment, he just offers forgiveness. Well, I'm not sure that there's much that needs to be said after that. We praise Jesus for his unfailing love and for the power of his light. Would you just quickly pray for Stephen and Kelly? They graduated our programs just over a year ago, and so there's just there's challenges ahead. There's temptations to fight. There's places they still need to heal. There's more of Jesus they need to discover, and I'm sure that they would be so grateful to know that they are being lifted up before the throne of grace today. Thanks for joining us again on Purity for Life. We'll see you next time. Purity for Life is a production of Pure Life Ministries. For over 30 years, Pure Life Ministries has been the go-to for those whose lives have been devastated by sexual sin. Visit us on the web for more information about our life-changing counseling programs and powerful teaching materials. Also check out our video clips of men and women whose lives have been radically transformed. All that and more at purelifeministries.org.